Okay, so going back to our text messages here, this one is about a story that we didn't even cover, so there you go. Uh, but we'll talk about it anyway. The doctor who discovered Omicron variant of COVID-19 has said too much hype around it as government slam borders shut and reimposed travel restrictions around the world. Uh, that was uh, the Nine News um, from yesterday. They won't even listen to the doctor who discovered it. Now they want to push forward uh, the third uh, booster vaccines three months instead of six Will they bring it to a monthly booster after the next variant? It's a good question. And, and the simple answer is we don't know. Mm. You know, while, you, while you're talking about mainstream news, just on the ABC News, they had, I think, Dr. Collington uh, from the Australian National University, ANU, um, who was saying effectively exactly the same thing. Mm. There's nothing more dangerous about it. There's no evidence that um, it is more resistance to the vaccines. There is there is no evidence that it is you know any yeah. more dangerous than any of the other variants. Um, and so, therefore, why are we closing borders? COVID already exists and already exists in our country. So, what difference is this actually making? You know, mm. seriously, guys, what's going on here? Um, and you know, there's a, there's a bunch of people in in mainstream. But what it is is that the, I think the media is hyping this up. Mm. And uh, we should expect new variants to be coming out. That's how diseases progress. This is my understanding. Yeah, we have new variants of the flu every year. Exactly. And it, anyway. Yeah. It's a frustrating world. And we, the, my, my big question is, we've, we've done what we can. Mm-hmm. So we've had lockdowns, we've had masks, we've had hand washing, um, we've had you know restrictions. We have had vaccinations. We're at like what is it, ninety five point five? New South Wales, New South is, the, Wales. is the most vaccinated ACT. people group. ACT? I, ACT. Someone told me New South Wales yesterday. Oh, whatever. But somewhere in Australia, ACT doesn't really count because it's so small. That's right. Well, other than ACT, New South Wales is the most vaccinated people group on earth. Gibraltar. But it's yeah, but they ACT. don't count. They don't count. They're like <laughs> they're just a rock. And the people who go to Gibraltar don't even live there. Yeah, for a large for a large area of land, mm-hmm. you know. And it's like, okay, what more can we do? Mm. Honestly, what more can we do? Just never go outside. I think that's the solution. So now that we've done everything that can be done, and I tell you what more that we can do. And I was thinking about this yesterday, actually. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting sidetracked here, but I'm going to have a bit of a rant and get sidetracked. <laughs> we can have a health push. We yeah. can have a national push to build healthy immune systems. We should do that thing where, like, everyone has, like, mandatory exercise at certain hours of the day. So, like, the alarm goes off and Okay, so you've got to have your Fitbit and you have to um, download the info from your Fitbit to show that you've had enough exercise that day so you can go shopping. <laughs> <laughs> we have solved it right that here. That is so smart. And then, on your and on your Fitbit, you can have something that detects the amount of greens that you've eaten that day. But at the so your greens are up to scratch. Your exercise is up to scratch. Okay, you can go shopping now. What happens if you're like sick or depressed? Well, or it's, it's like, oh, sorry, you're locked out. You can't get food. Okay, but the thing is, if you are sick and depressed and you need some retail therapy, the best thing for depression is exercise. That's that's actually true. So it would actually work well. I think I think Lawson Sh- and I. Shell's shaking her head in the studio. Oh no, she's nodding. She's okay, like, okay, she's, okay. she's she's on board. She's okay, on board. all right. We got a, we've got a new national health plan Dude, for it in Australia. Genius. We have just solved Lawson and I right here on Faith FM. You heard it first here on Faith FM. We've solved it. Legit. COVID. It's. Two years, Done. and suddenly, in 30 seconds, Lawson and I solved it. 
like, dude, that's that's the program right there. Just like <laughs> nationally prescribed Fitbits that tell you what to do. Health smoothies, health smoothies all over the place. Yeah. You know, have you had your health smoothie today? Full of green stuff and yeah, all that. Oh man, we're starting to sound a bit dystopian. It's like <laughs> you, you, everyone eats, just eats like gruel and sludge. No, but I think that there's a lot that we could do to actually promote how much you know because we've 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 done the artificial immune system, we've done the social distancing, mm. we've done the lockdowns, etc., etc., etc. The only thing that we have not done is actually look at our own immune system, the one that God gave us, and say, okay, what can we do in that space? Mm. We've done nothing there, and there is so much that we can do there. Mm. So that's where we need to do something. We need to do something very practical and very real in that space because that's all all there is left. Yeah. Yeah, It's time to end the lockdowns because we've done everything we can, Add, add a national health and fitness program to it. Get everybody outside walking and eating vegetables. That's right. Problem solved. Okay. All right. Rant over. Back to text messages. <laughs> uh, on Syria, Jeremiah from Sierra, Sierra Leone is a gift from God mm. and is sheer genius. Hopefully the whole country will be blessed by it. Hopefully the whole yeah. world will be blessed by it. Dude, imagine. Yeah, you just like walk around in front of your house and drive, some cars just like drive over and then you don't longer need to pay an electricity bill. It's the best. That's insane. So you, you, you recharge your... Electric car by driving. Well, that's like... Oh, oh. <laughs> that's oh. essentially what's happening. It's like a, you know, the, the perpetual motion machine. It's not perpetual motion. Not quite, but... But it's kind of like regenerative, regenerative braking, isn't it? Mm. You, are, oh, harnessing, yeah, you yeah. are harnessing the energy that is already there. Mm. You know, you're never going to have perpetual energy, mm. but... Yeah. Okay. Knee reconstruction. I have a few friends who have done it and still suffering from pain. This will be a real blessing to all and you, Lawson, in the future. Don't worry. You will soon get a fully reconditioned body. It will never break down. Amen. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. You know, you know what? Actually, though, like recently, it's been getting really hard to pray on my knees. Like, <laughs> oh, not you're even... becoming like an old person. No, serious, serious. You're going to be one of these even... old people. You're going to sit up there with all the old people when it's like time to kneel for prayer and all the old people sit there. And I'm not even joking. Like and, and, and Lawson, twenty three. I'm, like, I'm not even <laughs> kidding. A eh? like, I'm I'm actually I'm, I need to do something. Uh, like, because I it's not that I'm like I, I'm like super. Yeah, I don't know. I tweaked my knee. That's yeah. probably it's from from sports injuries, and yes. I I need to fix it. Like because I was asked to pray the other day at church, and you know, pray for the service. And um, you encourage people to kneel, and I'm like slowly, like creeping down <laughs> to the ground. And I'm like, and 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 I, when I got up, my whole knee was like creak, like, oh, and I'm like, I need help. <laughs> I did a knee once playing paintball. Oh, okay. It was like agony for like nine months. It's never been right since. But <sighs> we need help. What do you do? All right. Yeah. <laughs> okay, we can just go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. All right. Memorial for aborted children torn. Uh, the torn down monument by murderers of babies. Who do you think paid them to do this? Soon murder will be quite acceptable for all by government approval. We know this will happen to God's people. Still can't get used to it in the reality, but all we have to do is open our eyes mm. and look at what has happened to the world just in the last two years. You know, and you stop and think about that and you say, okay, how could that be possible? Well, it was possible in Germany, and Germany was one of the most civilized countries in the world. Mm. You think America is more civilized than Germany? No. Mm. You think Germans are more bigoted than Americans? No. Not at all. Or Australians? Not in the least. 
Mm. If you can change it in Germany so that they can turn around and they can take the lives of six million people because of their faith, you can do the same now. Mm. All right. Uh, if we are here during the last days, God, it is because God wants us here. We are chosen to be our light in this dark world. All are chosen. The decision is ours. Okay. All right. And I've got, I've got, I've got, uh, I've got one here that I'm going to forward through to producer Shell. Oh, nice. Uh, because this one is for producer Shell. For her, oh. It's not. Forwarding. Why is it not forwarding on my phone? All right. We need Shell's to go on with our Bible study. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. It's working now. Um, let's go to the book of Deuteronomy. And while we're going to the book of Deuteronomy, um, we are going to look at chapter four. Oh, nice. Back to the very beginning of just when you thought you were going to do those final chapters of Deuteronomy. We're back to chapter four. You're listening to Faith FM. Positively different radio. All right. Let's get into it. Deuteronomy chapter 4 and let's start reading in verse 32. Deuteronomy 4 and verse 32, the Bible says, Now search all of history from the time God created people on the earth until now and search from one end of heaven to the other. Has anything as great as this ever been seen or heard before? Okay, let's stop there for a moment. This is God saying, telling us to do what? Search. Search what? All of history. Search all of history. Did you all catch that? Now you all know I love history. Yeah. Notice what God says. What does God say to do? He said search all, all of, of history. Because history is amazing. That's why God says this. Yeah. Did they have much <laughs> history to, in the time of Moses, did they have much history to search? No, I guess they could just talk about it. I, I, the world was pretty established, but nowhere near as documented as what it is today. The world was old. In the time of Moses. Incredibly old. Well, it's pretty old now. You think about this. Time of Moses, you're researching history. Uh-huh. And if you're, say, researching, say, Adam, mm-hmm. you're going back that far, that's the equivalent of us researching the history of Nebuchadnezzar. Was that a long time ago? Yeah, like 2,600 years. Time ago. Yeah. That's a long time ago. So the world, yeah. yeah. The world, so okay. God says, he says, research history and say, has anything, has anything as great as this ever happened before? Mm. And this is one of the things about history is that, you know, God wants us to study history. He needs us to study history so that we can know how great he is and mm. so that we can be thankful for the blessings that God gives us in the moment. You know, because I'm sure that all the way through that time period, there are people who are like, well, you know, this is a great thing that God has done, and that's a great thing that God has done, and this is a great thing that God has done. And by searching and understanding history, it gives us the opportunity to be thankful for God's blessings in the past mm. and then be thankful for what God is doing in our life right now. Mm. Because, I mean, they had some some big things to be thankful for, certainly. Uh the crossing of the Red Sea and the deliverance from Egypt are big events. But we have big things to be thankful for, the way that God has changed our life, mm. the way that God has turned us into a new and a different person. Is there any? Does it take any more power to change a person from the old man to the new man than it does to open the Red Sea? Mm. You know, same God who does the same thing, same method by which he does it, same power that is being used in both of those uh, situations. 
So we need to we need to be thankful for, to God every day for what God does for us, and we need to remember and to study our history. Definitely. All right. So here's an interesting thought that was going through my mind yesterday in relationship to history because we're we're looking about you know remembering the past, and there's this old saying that we're all familiar with: those who refuse to learn from the mistakes of the past are condemned to repeat them. Yes. And those who know their history are condemned to sit on the sidelines and tear their hair out, while those who don't know their history repeat them. Mm-hmm. We don't usually have that second part. Yeah, I saw that a meme the other day. <laughs> thought it was excellent. <laughs> I thought it was Boomer excellent. memes. Boomer memes are the best. <laughs> Boomer memes and dad jokes. All mm. right, where are we up to? What, what verse did we just read? We just read verse thirty-two. Let's read the next verse. So it says in verse thirty-three: Has any nation ever heard the voice of the Lord speaking from the fire as you did and survived? Verse 34, it continues on and says, Has any other God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, and a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yet that is what the Lord your God did for you in Egypt right before your eyes. He showed you these things so he, so you would know that he is the Lord and there is no other. He let you hear his voice from heaven so he could instruct you. He let you see his great fire here on earth so he could speak to you from it. Because he loved your ancestors, he chose to bless their descendants, and he personally brought you out of Egypt with great displays of power. He drove out the nations far greater than you so he could bring you in into his land and give you a special possession as to this day. So... Remember this and keep it firmly in your mind, the Lord your God in heaven and on earth, and there is no other. If you obey all the decrees and the commands I am giving you today, all will be well with you and your children. I am giving you these instructions so you will be able to enjoy the long life, um, enjoy a long life in the land the Lord your God is giving you at this time. Okay, so he calls on them to remember their history. He reminds them of their history. Mm. He tells them, this is what I want you to do because of your history. Uh, he he doesn't want them to ever forget what has taken place in the part and in the past. And he didn't do all of these things for no purpose. You know, mm. he had redeemed his people, keeping his end of the covenant. Um, that you know, obviously God had established with them. They'd been freed from Egypt. They were about to enter the promised land. God had done his part. Yes, and was doing his part. Uh, they were now killed to do theirs. Mm. It's like, okay, it's now your turn to do yours, uh, which is simply. To obey, mm. you know, he's like, all right, I've done, I've done this, and he goes through, I've done this, and 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 now this is your part, mm. and that is to obey. Mm-hmm. Does that make it legalism? Um, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> and, and this is one of the things you're going to find in the covenant all the way through the book of Deuteronomy is this call to obey. Mm. And this is one of the reasons why a lot of Christians today will call themselves a New Testament Christian. Yeah, because they're a one-third Christian. Yeah, because they read this and... And they're like, oh, this is all about works. This is, they could be saved by their works. Yeah, They're missing the whole point. <laughs> why does God call them to obey? What is the motivation for their obedience? Is it so, is, Are they obeying so they can get good enough to be saved? No. Why are they obeying? Because... God has, like, done all this stuff for them. Because God is good. That's right. Oh, it's so clear. Like like Lyle. 
Like, yes. you know, like if I, if you called me up and you were like, Lawson, please come over and mow my lawn. And I was like, Lyle, I will do that. And so then I did it. There would be an expectation of some level of, you know, not, not necessarily payment, but that afterwards it would be nice if you're like, oh, Lawson, and here's a meal. Here's a glass of water. Here's a glass of water. Share it with us. Like, See, I'd get a glass of water. He wants a meal. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Maybe I'm asking, we need to negotiate this. <laughs> but the reality is, it's like, this is like, we're seeing a God here that is establishing himself even further as a relational and friendly God to them. Yes. Not the, because yes. people see this and they see the opposite. They're like, oh, this is a God who is coming to them as a dictator with the, with and telling. Demands. You have telling, to obey me. You have to do this and this and this and this. No, he's establishing them as a friend, as someone who they can relate to. And he's saying here, hey, look at all these things that I've done to you because I love you, because I care about you. Let's have a friendship. Yes. Let's have a partnership in life. Yes. And, let's, and, and if you want to be thankful for that, this is how you can be thankful for that. <laughs> yeah. This is a great response is, here's Ten Commandments. Yeah. Do these. This is, this is what I ask. You know, is mm. this, is, I mean, seriously, the Ten Commandments, is that a big ask? <laughs> like, you know, God has taken them, he's, he's taken them out of Egypt. He's set them free. He's, you know, crossed them through the Red Sea. He's spoken to them personally from the mountain of fire. You know, he's, he's fed them. For 40 years. Dude, verse 34, like, phrases is the best, where it's like, has any God dared to take a nation for himself out of another nation by means of trials, miraculous signs, wonders, war, a strong hand, a powerful arm, and terrifying acts? Yeah. (laughs) Like, no. The answer is obviously no. That's right. And it's like, oh, and because of that, and you know, like, this is given evidence that, like, I'm, like, real, Mm -hmm. and I care about you. Dude, let's... Let's do something. Like, let's go into partnership. Like, God has been so good to them. And it's it's not like, uh, I don't know the word for this, but it's just, it's not like this kind of uh, beneficiary relationship where God needs them to do it. You know, like, if I mowed your lawn, I would probably need you to give me a glass of water because I'd be dehydrated. And if I didn't drink water, I would, you know, pass out or something. God doesn't need them. But God is like, oh, you know, let, let's be friends. Like, and not only all of these things, but we also know that the commandments are such a blessing to the people as well. He's trying to doubly bless them. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, yeah, I've done all these things for you. Oh, and I want to like, I love you so much that I also want to give instruction in li- your instructions to your life so that you will live a better life. But even if we took that, so even if it wasn't beneficial to keep the Ten Commandments, and there are times where, you know, in the grand scheme of our life, like people, people have died for trying to keep the Ten Commandments. They've lost their life. You know, they've been persecuted for it. And it's like, oh, is it beneficial at that point to te- keep the Ten Commandments? But that's when it goes back to, oh, well, yes, because I'm doing it for God. He loves me. He was given everything for me. Like, oh, this is so awesome. And I, and it's sad that people miss this point. Like, God has done everything for you. And all he asks in return is to live a better life. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Um, Stuart says this, The Great Controversy was the first EGW book I read. When I read the first chapter on the destruction of Jerusalem, I immediately thought that was soon to come on the whole world. This was before I I came into the SDA church. Mm. Interesting comment. Wow. First chapter of... um, the book Great Controversy. If you haven't read it, it's a it's a it's a Christian classic that's been around for about 150 years. That first chapter is hectic, dude. Oh, it's like it's such a good way to start the book 
because it's it's yes. basically dealing with like you know what it's, it's one of those it's one of those first chapters that just punches you in the face. Yeah, because you know as the title implies about the destruction of Jerusalem, you know that took place in AD seventy, and because the book is about well, how do we get from Jesus's time and the time of the apostles to where we are now? You know yes. what happened in Christian history over that time. And how does that set up circumstances for what the Bible says we look forward to? And that first chapter of the destruction of Jerusalem, like, oh, it's just like it is, it is, it is, it is oh. wild stuff, you know. Yeah, it's it's one of those. Well, you know how in every great movie or book or whatever they have an introductory piece that is just there to catch your attention. Mm. And this is this book. The full title of this book is the Great Controversy Between Christ and Satan. Mm. And uh, Beginning with the destruction of Jerusalem and the siege that took place and the absolute carnage of, you know, eliminating that city as a fortress city by the Romans. Mm. It's just mind-bogglingly brutal Mm. and you couldn't get a more apt introduction to a book that is going to talk about the war between Christ and Satan. Wow. And you couldn't get a more apt illustration of that war. It's like, okay, here's a microcosm of the war between Christ and Satan. This is a brutal, bloody war that is taking place. Mm. Yeah. Good stuff. Ever want to get a copy of the book Great Controversy? You've never read this book. Mm -hmm. It's a Christian classic. Um, Give us a call here. I'm pretty sure we can make one available for you. That's right. Maybe we can do it at the end of the show. Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Preemptively, you know, get those phones ready. You can't. Well, oh, I don't know. Nah, Just give us can, a call. We'll give us a call. Out. We'll work it out. There's uh, there's plenty of them around the place. So, mm-hmm. um, and you will enjoy that first chapter. And from there, you know, of course, it launches into the church in the wilderness, and mm. then, you know, the Reformation era. And you know, the first, the first three quarters of the book is. It is literally all about conflict. It is about war. Yeah. It is just, you know, it's and history. history. Last favorite thing. It's, oh, the, dude. So much history. There are chapters of that book that makes me cry. I know that this has just turned into a promotion for the book. Stuart, Stuart, <laughs> but blame Stuart. Stuart. Stuart's got us onto it, got man. Like, oh, dude, Jerome and Huss, man. I think that's like chapter four or five. Dude, I have tears when I read. Anyways. All right. Let's get back to what we were talking about. We were talking about the Bible study. We were talking about how that God here in this passage, he outlines all the good things that he has yes, done. Yes, yes. And he's like, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to obey me. I've got Ten Commandments here. Um, so mm. I don't want you to go around killing people. I don't want you to go around lying or stealing or cheating. Um, I don't want you to have other gods. Mm-hmm. I want you to have a day off once a week. Mm-hmm. You know? And Christians today go, oh, works. This is salvation by works. Yeah, I had someone ask me one time, how do you, you know, how do you reconcile with the accepting God of the New Testament having to keep the Sabbath? (laughs) I was like, what? The whole thing of having to keep the Sabbath. Like, you have never experienced the Sabbath before. You do not know how good this is. (laughs) You know, do you ever complain to the government, oh, no, I have to keep Australia Day. Oh, I just wish I could go to work today. (laughs) I mean, seriously, people. Well, some people do. Yeah, some people do. It's true. Mm-hmm. But they get good dollars on that day, so it's kind of worth it. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just... That's right. That's right. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, um, so this is one of the really bizarre things that you find in Christianity, and Christianity is bizarre from time to time. Mm. Um, now you come over to the New Testament. Mm-hmm. 
And in the New Testament, you don't have God saying, hey, I brought you out of the land of Egypt and I did miracles and I brought you through the Red Sea and I fed you for 40 years. You say you have God saying, hey, I died for you. Yeah. You know, that's next level. I, I gave my life for your eternal salvation. We could, we could say, well, what God did in the Old Testament was pretty easy because you spoke and it happened. He's just, he's just up in heaven saying words mm. and things are happening. It shows that he has a lot of care for us. Mm. But when Jesus died, that's not God in heaven just speaking words and creating things. That's right. I think as well, you know, God for the Israelites did many things where they, you know, reaped immediate blessing. You know, and this is what he says, like he brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery. And the people who experienced that, it's awesome. And the future generations, that's amazing. And you've created and started a nation. But like what God did on the cross was by eternal salvation for the entire the entire world. You know, we have within the Israelites' life, the choice to follow God or reject him is a life or death decision in the immediate sense because if they reject God, they'll lose his protection and they'll be killed and enslaved by the nations around them. But what God did on Calvary is a life or death decision in the eternal sense that he gave you the choice to either live eternally or die eternally to have, you know, to choose a future that is extended past your earthly mortal life um, in the sense of life or in the sense of death. Like we're seeing something that's of, yes, so much greater scale. You know, even though these were miracles in the Mm, past that God mm, did, mm. but this is the, this is the ultimate sacrifice. It is. This is God giving everything. It's like, I'll give my life. This is what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to not lie, cheat, steal, kill people. Mm. I'd li- I would like you to respect your parents, have mm. one day off a week, and don't have other gods. Wow, you know, this is, this <laughs> is the burden. This is the this is the burden that God places on us that nobody can bear. Somehow, mm. I, it just does my head in. I think, though, a really key point is that there are many Christians who believe that keeping the Ten Commandments is a good thing. Yes. Um. And there are many people around the world, whether they, you know, don't agree with the ten, whether they're not Christian or not, would look at the principles of the Ten Commandments and, and by law, they would agree with them. Yes. For sure, right? Of course. Well, then why is it that no one keeps them? Why is it that there's so much evil in the world, even amongst Christians who agree with the Ten Commandments, amongst, you know, non-Christian people who, you know, and I think that it's like, it almost comes down to, do we have the ability to keep them if they're so good, yet we don't? And that's where we come full circle and we see that, oh, man, even God gives us the ability to be able to keep them because we can't. Like, Absolutely. It, it's a win, 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 win situation. Like, we've won the, <laughs> we've won the lottery right here. Absolutely. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. It's time for Question of the Day. All right, so our question of the day is, and yeah, we're kind of we're, we're, this is a bit, a bit of an out, out there out, out there one. This out is there one. question, but it's like we're close to Christmas, but we're not there yet. But we're kind of started. to We just had two it. Christmas songs. We had a Christmas-based interview, yeah. and it just started a bit of a ball rolling this morning. We're, we haven't been able to stop. We're snowballing quickly to Christmas. Well, I don't know, maybe water sliding here in Australia. But the question is... It wasn't intentional, but it happened. The question is, was the little drummer boy from the 
Christmas song in any way related to the Bible? And where does he come from? So this is a really interesting question that I've just been cramming on uh, to try and find out what's the what's the history behind this. Um, so basically, it's a it's it's a song that is beloved by people around the world. Um, very few people actually know what the backstory is. So before it became known as the Little Drummer Boy, it was originally titled Carol of the Drums. Mm. Uh, that's because of the pa rumpa pum pum, which you know, basically imitates the sound of a drum. Nobody knows who wrote it. Um, some people think that it was written by Catherine Davis in 1941. Um, some others say that it is based on an old Czech carol from the Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. But it was first recorded as the little drummer boy with the music and with the lyrics as Carol of the Drums by the Trap Family Singers in 1951. So as far as Christmas carols goes, this is a very recent one. You know, mm. a lot of Christmas carols, you know, they go way, way, way back, have been around for a very, very long time. Uh, this one's a very recent one. Now, um, while Catherine Davis is believed to have possibly written the words for it, she's not the only, this is this is disputed. So it's dis- there's a number of people who uh, claim that Henry Onorati and Harry Simeone uh, penned the lyrics to the song um, and at the same time is not entirely certain who deserves the credit for you know the lyrics Jack uh, or, or the or the score Jack O'Halloran recorded it as music in 1957 um, and so yeah it sort of comes from that era and it's Interesting to have a song that comes from the 1950s and the 1960s or even the 1940s where it's kind of like nobody knows who wrote the music. Yeah. Nobody who knows who wrote the lyrics. Nobody has been able to collect, you know, all of the um, the royalties from either writing the lyrics or writing the score for it. Which is devast- but everybody loves it. Which is devastating for a Christmas song because they're just royalty machines. They are. They are. Yeah, it's a royalty machine, all right. So uh, let's see here. Um, it was charted on the Billboard's singles charts, Pentatonics hit number one in the winter of 2013-14, or the summer over here. Uh, David Bowie and Bing Cosby's version peaked at number three in the UK, uh, spending 10 weeks on the chart between 1982 and 1983. Um, and then, it, you know, it goes on down here with a whole list of other Times when it's you know it's been in the top sixties, the top twenties, the top twenties again, the top twenties, the top sixties, etc. You know, down through the ages, and so this has been an incredibly popular song. It doesn't really have anything to do with anything historical, and that was really the question: was like, was there ever a little drummer boy that was associated with a Christmas story? The answer is no. Mm-hmm. There was no little drummer boy. It's just the story of you know a little boy on his way to Jerusalem. It's just. All there is to it, and you know, <laughs> I don't even know what kind of drums they had in the first century. They certainly didn't have the kind of drums that you know you would typically hear being played on the little drummer boy. So it has no connection to history, and so it's kind of one of those Christmas carols that falls into that slot. That's sort of halfway between a secular carol and a religious carol. It's definitely you know, a religious carol, but it's not one that is based on a biblical story, except mm-hmm. that. It talks about Jesus. So there's a, little, uh, a few thoughts on the history of the little drummer boy. Um, somebody did want to know the answer to that, and that's the best that we can find at this particular point. Lyle, 
Yes. Guess what we're giving away. Oh, let me think, let me think, let me think. Could it possibly be um, The Great Controversy? Yes, that's exactly what it is. We are giving away the book, The Great Controversy. The thing is, we just did a great plug for it earlier, <laughs> kind of by accident. Blame Stuart. Stuart, we are giving away a great controversy today because you sent in a text message. See, this is why we love hearing from our listeners. Mm-hmm. Our listeners just make great radio for us and give us great opportunities to do amazing things. <laughs> yeah. Just this send us text messages with ideas that we can steal. And this will be the most, this will be the biggest book we ever give away on, on, uh, on Faith FM. Really? Yes. Have the most words in it. It's the best value for money. Definitely. See, see, when I when I travel internationally, sometimes you know you go into the bookshop and you buy a book to read on the next mm. flight, right? Ever, and, and I'll look at the at the price tag on the back and the number of and the number of uh, pages <laughs> in the book, and it's like, will this book last me fourteen hours to my next stop? You know. So sometimes you, you there's value for money. That's right. And this one will definitely last you because not only will you read it, uh, and there's bunch of pages in there, but you will be blessed. Oh, absolutely. So 0491 the first caller in will win. And, uh, yeah, guys, get this fantastic book um, that we can, like, just wholeheartedly support and get behind. I first read this when I was 15 years old, and it's what prompted me to study the Bible for myself for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. Absolutely. All right, friends, don't forget, as always, we like to remind you to talk faith, live faith, act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. For being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1 800 Faith FM.